What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hey, What You Watching? The weekly podcast where Marcelo Pico and I discuss the films we've been watching. This is episode 84, Podcast of the Lambs, and I'm your host, Matt Curione, and with me as usual is... Uh, hey, it's your co-host, Marcelo Pico. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. Tonight's been eventful. <laughs> sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> good times. Good times. That's a movie that came out, Good Time. Uh, have you seen that yet, Matt? No, it never played anywhere near me. Oh, well, that's a shame. <laughs> you, you think we get movies like that around here? Come what's, on. what's playing in a multiplex near you right now, Matt? Um, it. Pull up, pull up your Fandango app. Let's let's go through them, okay? I'm, let's I'm, see what's playing near me. You know, I, I'm shocked. Uh, I was shocked to learn this past weekend that they're still playing The Dark Tower at one of my local theaters. <laughs> really? Yeah. Jesus. Uh, and that movie felt like it came out like six months ago and went out of theaters like five months yeah. and three weeks ago. So, Let's see. Let's see what's playing at the local multiplex. What's it called? Uh, uh, the AMC Brick Plaza 10. AMC Brick Plaza 10. So there's 10 yes. screens, right? This, yes. This should be a, a game, a new game. I know we haven't played Pyramid in a while, but okay. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna guess. Holy shit, that's still playing? Okay, yeah. Keep okay. guessing. <laughs> wow! I'm gonna guess, okay, what's playing, alright? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can't tell me if I'm right or wrong until after, okay? So there's ten okay. screens, right? Ten screens. Yes. Uh, oh, fuck, I forgot to bring out my notebook. Uh, okay, ten screens. I'm gonna say... Mm-hmm. Two of the screens has it. Okay. That's two down. Let's see. It's two. Uh, I'm going to say one screen has Hitman's bodyguard. That's one. So that's three total right now. Uh, Logan Lucky. Okay. Uh, That's four. Um, There's one that came out that's a kid's movie. Oh, it's not Hop. Uh, God, what is that? What's What's that movie? Leap. Right? Okay, no, guess. that that came out years ago. No, it's something close to that. All right, Leap is an Easter movie. No, oh god, you're I, thinking the Nut Job too, Nutty by Nature. No, there's something else. Okay, fine, Nut Job is there. That's for sure there. That's five. So I have five more. Uh, this is a hard game. Okay, let's <laughs> let's stop at five because like this is gonna go on forever. So did I get at least some of those right? You got three. I got three. Okay, how many how many screens? Uh, have it playing? I don't know. Just it doesn't say. It just has as many. You know. Well, like for a I'm seven, guessing, I'm for guessing like, two for like a seven two. p.m. showtime. How many? How many times is it showing? Two. Once. Once. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. The showtimes for it go eleven thirty a.m., twelve thirty p.m., one fifteen. So it's playing on two screens. I'm guessing. Yeah. Let's say two. So okay. Hit- the movies that are playing here are Home Again. That's that. Yeah. That's right. It, yeah. Uh, apparently, Tulip Fever, whatever the hell that is. Oh that's yeah, that movie. Leap. I said leap. How dare you? You thought I was crazy. Look, look what happens. I was See? thinking hop. Leap. Yeah, I whatever. said leap. Same bullshit. Who cares? I win. It's a garbage movie. What a Hitman's else? Bodyguard. Yeah. Annabelle Creation. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. The Nut Job Two. Yep. Wind River. Uh huh. Dunkirk is still playing. Oh, okay. Fucking Spider-Man is still playing. Oh, that's... Okay. That's insane. And Despicable Me 3. What? 
Yes, these are the movies that are still playing. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Wow, 11 movies. Yes. See? Yeah. Okay. So wow, Kidnap is still playing? What the hell? Kidnap? I'm at it. I'm at a different theater now. All right. Let, now, let's let's play it with that one. That also, The Big Sick over? is still playing? <laughs> uh, okay, we need to workshop that game. Apologies to the listeners. It wasn't well thought out. It's impromptu. Wow. I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a game in there somewhere figuring out what's playing at Matt's local theater. Maybe. Okay. What the hell's true to the game? What's what? True to the what's, game? Yeah, I don't know what the hell that is, but it's playing in like half an hour away from me. Uh, I don't. I've never heard of that movie. Uh, neither have I. to the game. Yeah, I, okay. Logan Lucky's playing half an hour away. Okay, there you go. So there you go. That's cool. I'm surprised that Wind River is playing at so many theaters. Uh, I heard that's good, but I'm, I am I thought about seeing it this past weekend. But, uh, and my mom was raving about it. <laughs> listeners should know I don't care for Taylor Sheridan, so mm-hmm. at, at least in Hell or High Water, I don't care for a script. But anyway... Sicario was alright. Uh, Matt, hey, <laughs> you doing you doing all right? Regardless, you doing okay? Things are okay. Things are okay. All right. Things so that, are fine. Sundays feel empty now, but things are fine. You know what? Yeah, we're recording this on a Sunday night. I don't think we've recorded on a Sunday night like for months. We, we always do like weekday nights. Yeah, because there was always something important to do on Sunday nights. Yeah, that, you know, took up our lives. Yeah, and now it's not here. We'll, well discuss that later. With that. What else fun. are going to be are we going to be discussing on the show this week, Matt? Ah, you mean Matt's Riddle Corner, where we take cryptic clues and uh, try to get the to screw up that intro to that segment that I've done about seventy times by now. Whatever, we're going to do some like bullshit with the audience where they can try to guess what we're watching. How about that? Good. <laughs> okay, we're going to hang out in the sewers with a fun old clown, and then we're going to do some bloods. I think, and then, <laughs> and then we're going to hang out with Hitchcock for a little bit, and then a robot man is going to hang out with us, and then a helicopter is going to crash, and then um, I don't have a witty joke for that one. I don't know. Anyway, we're going to rip someone's face off. How about that? And then we're going to rip someone else's face off, and then we're going to ask what year it is. Yeah, uh, more <laughs> face, more face ripping offs in that one too. Mm-hmm. All right. So, with that, what's the next segment? Oh, guests. Hey, we have a guest this week. Uh, somebody who has been on the show before, right, Matt? Exactly one year ago. Really? Exactly one year ago? Yeah, we were discussing this before uh, We, uh, I called you. Uh, the last time he was on was exactly one year ago. Wow, September 10th, 2016. Yeah. Pretty crazy. That's nuts. So we should have so, him on every year. Well, you know, we were, yeah, yeah, he'll be our yearly. You know, the week of September tenth guest. It'll be fun. I, actually, we uh, can't do that. We can't do that because like Haycast is ending soon. So uh, we'll, we'll, I <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Who's the like guest? That joke. Who's the guest? I don't like that joke. I don't like that joke. <laughs> anyway, uh, this week uh, coming back after a year long sabbatical uh, up in the uh, Pacific Sabbat- Northwest. His name is Andrew Isla. He's a writer at Talk Film Society and the co-host of Don't Zap the Geek. Hello, Andrew. Hello. Um, do some bloods? <laughs> I don't I'm know. still stuck on do some bloods, man. It's, it's oh, we're gonna, late. We're going to do it's, some bloods. It's late on a we're Sunday. Gonna, I'm going to do let, some bloods. I'm going to let that go. I'm just not going to. Anyway. Uh, uh, hello. Thank you for having me back. Hello. Hey, no problem. So Been wh- looking forward to this, you know, what? for a year. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like, you kept you kept 
inviting me on, and I kept wanting to accept your invitation, um, but it didn't work out until this week, which I think we really tried to make work because of the thing that we're going to talk about. <laughs> yes. Um, and I only realized in prepping that this is exactly the same time of year. Uh, it was it was the same week that I was on last, so uh, that just happens by accident, time and time again. Yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out which episode it was as I look through our spreadsheet. Ah, episode 37. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, because uh, in both cases it was uh, the start of spooky season, so we were all watching like the first of our not quite monster horror movies, but slasher. We're getting there. We're starting to sl- sneak in. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's I, happening again. I remember that. I remember Matt was really excited about starting his uh, horror season uh, viewing. Uh, although, I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun this year. Why haven't you started already, Matt? I, I'm surprised you're not already in. Well, you, you you are doing, or you have done, like a Toby Hooper kind of retrospective at your place. I did a little so. bit of that, yeah. Yeah, so that, that counts, I guess. I, I'm i holding off. I have, like, a big box of box set of Phantasm for me. Me too. Uh, I'm waiting on that. That's going to be I fun. That. So that's going to be fun. And, yeah, I have uh, some zombie movies to watch. I'm going to save all that for October. I'm not rushing things. You know, I have... Uh, some sweet some tem- some sweet September left to enjoy and Fantastic Fest, so I'm gonna be busy. So, anyway, spooky season, or as I call it, horror season, because I don't I, for some reason I don't like spooky season that name, spooky season. But it goes together. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it horror season. How about that? Horror season, spooky season. No, that that's even worse. Oh, love <laughs> spooky season. I hate that meme. It's- to death. It's two spoopies. I hate it. I I want they, to ban. Then it you'd hate the, the t- you'd hate the t shirt I own. Ugh. It's a bunch of ghosts and it says "Keep it spoopy." <sighs> well, that's the end of the podcast. Two some, some bloods. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, here's here's an interesting thing. Is it? We'll see. Uh, Matt, was Andrew yes. was Andrew on when you were doing the segments? Getting to know you. Maybe. Let me check my notes. Episode 35, you said, right? Episode 37. Okay. Again, this is like an off-mic conversation. But, Andrew, do you you Uh, remember Matt asking you silly questions on the show? (laughs) I think we did do a getting to know you, but I don't remember exactly how it went down. Ooh. Yeah, I don't remember. Let's let's let, let's ask the question, or Matt, you start it, and let's see what happens. Let, let's see if any of this rings any bells. <laughs> it rings any bells. Yeah. Okay. Uh, welcome back to Get to Know Ya, where we try to get to know our guests to make sure they're a real human being and not some robot sent from the future. Andrew, uh, what's the first movie you remember seeing in a theater? The first movie I remember seeing um, was probably... Hook? That would have been summer of 91, and I have some vague memories of it. Hook and Beauty and the Beast and Batman Returns. Those are like the three a, I, I just... It's a pretty good summer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know the first movie my mom took me to when I was like a toddler was Little Mermaid, but I don't remember that. I do remember Hook and Mermaid and Batman Returns, which were all within like a year of each other. Oh, yeah. Uh... Hook and Batman and Returns were two pillars of my childhood. Now that I think about <laughs> it, yeah, fond memories of that. Although I, I didn't see them in theaters, I saw them like on home video afterwards. Uh, I, I, I did not end up going to 
see a movie in theaters until like '97. So, wow, yeah, wow, hell yeah, yeah, Flipper, good old Flipper. <laughs> Let's not talk about Flipper. Let's not talk about that. Uh, we're not right? going to talk about Flipper. We're not going to talk about Flipper. <laughs> right now, I'm looking back on the notes from that episode that you were on last, and uh, that was a stacked show. A lot of a lot of movies that week. What? Yeah, I remember. I remember we. It was a long conversation. Let's let's go through the movies, Matt. All right, what what do we talk about in episode thirty-seven? All right, let's see. We talked about Sully, Batman Returns, Vamp, uh, the shooting slash ride the whirlwind. Oh yeah, yeah. Iron, Iron Giant and Tomorrowland. Uh. Oh, oh it's, the, it's, the, it's the anniversary of me seeing Tomorrowland. Shit. All right, uh, Possession, Stranger Than Paradise, Down by Law, House of a Thousand Corpses, Written on the Wind. Blair Witch Project, Blazing Saddles, Nosferatu, uh, One More Time with Feeling, and uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's a good episode. That was a good that, episode. That was a good episode. <laughs> why, why don't we just play that episode right now and <laughs> save the It's trouble. a clip show. <laughs> it's a clip show. Surprise, it's a clip show. Uh, hey, do you have any more you, questions, Matt? Uh, actually, it was your turn to ask a question. All right, I always do that to give me more time <laughs> to think of a question. <laughs> well... Uh, let's see. Oh, how about this, Andrew? Uh, we don't like to go negative on this show, but I want to go negative uh, right here in this Jesus. moment. Uh, what could you name or could you describe one of your worst theater-going experiences? Ooh, worst theater-going experiences. I've been pretty lucky in terms of, uh, like, the the experience itself. Like, you know, there's all those horror stories of just terrible crowds or rude people uh, and I've always considered myself lucky to have never really had one so bad it ruined the experience. Probably the angriest I've ever been sitting in a movie theater for any given reason was just Jurassic World uh, <laughs> in general. Uh, I don't usually talk out loud at movies uh, but I did uh, mutter oh go fuck yourself at the movie a few times <laughs> involuntarily my wife and I were just sinking lower and lower in our seats with rage wow. oh boy but that's that would have to be an entire episode all my issues with that movie. but I'm, I'm gonna say safely it was probably Jurassic World and it had nothing to do with the experience other than just the movie itself yeah that's uh, making making me furious that's a good answer uh, actually Matt's uh, same same question, but I want your answer to be kind of like Andrew's. Because I have one. I- I'll say mine real quick. Uh, I said, oh, fuck you to the screen while watching the end of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Uh, yeah. I guess at this point, should I reveal who makes a cameo at the end is Johnny Depp? Okay. Yeah, everyone knows that. Yeah, I knew uh, that and I haven't even seen it. So. Uh, it's. Uh, I was like, yeah. I don't care about spoilers on that one. Uh, <laughs> out loud, I just said to the screen, fuck you. Uh, you uh, <laughs> And and up to that point, it was like kind of enjoyable, but then they they did that, and, uh, and then that happened. Pure hatred from me. Uh, what, what about you, Matt? Uh, most recent moments, uh, maybe in a theater, maybe at home, where you just go, "Oh, fuck you!" to the screen. I honestly can't think of one. Oh come on! What about uh, what's what's that one movie you hate that you talked about like months ago? Was it Blood Diner or something? Yo, fuck Blood Diner. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, watching that movie that was recommended to me that I bought on Blu-ray for thirty dollars. <laughs> Fuck Blood Diner. Ooh, yikes! There the you movie go. sucks. <laughs> oh man, because um, like that—that's like the one movie I know that you really hated. Watching. Fuck that movie and the <laughs> the shitty unfunny horse it rode in on. 
Uh, have you seen Blood Diamond? Not Blood Diamond, sorry. Blood Diner, Andrew? No, Blood Diamond's a good movie. <laughs> I have not seen Blood Diner. I'm aware of it. I know it usually gets lumped in with, like, Chopping Mall, which I have seen. Yeah, Chopping Mall's amazing. I enjoy amazing. Chopping Mall. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good lord, I love Chopping Mall. It's so much fun. Blood Diner yeah. is not that. Real quick, Matt, just just so maybe you can warn listeners who don't know this, but why, why do you not like Blood Diner? Nothing works. How so? Nothing works. Nothing. Nothing works. I mean, the effects are cool, I guess. If you like garbage, I don't know. I just <laughs> if you don't like, like garbage. <laughs> if you like trash, I don't know. It's just a horror comedy that doesn't work for either genre. Okay. Like it's just ah, uh, it's so grating and annoying. Uh, and I know people who love this thing, and I'm like, you, you stop that. Do, do you Bad. St- do you still own the the Blu-ray? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to get rid of it? No, I'm going to revisit this thing one day. Oh boy! <laughs> just so I can see, just so I can yell at my TV again, or maybe I'm wrong, which I doubt. Uh, I, I have another question for Andrew. <laughs> do you own uh, a movie or just something that you were like, I don't know why I own this. I should get rid of it. Please get out of my house. <laughs> get out of my house. Hmm. Um, got a handful that we don't particularly care for, but it's because they're part of some kind of collection uh, or okay. box set. Or okay, like yeah. we own every James Bond movie, and frankly, most of them are no good. But as a whole, you know, that's the experience is having all of them. Uh, we're, we're honestly pretty good at getting rid of stuff that we know we're not going to watch again because there's a great place near us that will, uh, you know let us trade them for something better yeah. so we're pretty good at not keeping something we don't want to watch we do own a lot of terrible movies but we like to watch them so. <laughs> yeah bless those places like one that i used to go to a lot here in austin is gone unfortunately oh. uh rest in peace buybacks uh but no i like i i went like like before that place went out of business, like just about every year, I'd gather up what I didn't want for my collection and just you know sell it. So, and there was one year where I accidentally sold my Lethal Weapon trilogy collection, the first three. Oh no! And I kept the fourth one. It's like I picked the wrong one from the shelf. I should have given away the fourth one and not the trilogy because uh, the fourth one is not good. It's I don't it it's it's uh, it's it's fun in like the first twenty minutes, but then. It, yeah, it's not good. Anyway, so I guess that's my answer. Some somebody please pick up Lethal Weapon Four from my place. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, Matt. Hey, do you have any more questions? I do not. Hey, have we gotten to known Andrew? He's been gotten to known for a second Ouch. time, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay, we did some bloods. Did some we bloods. did some bloods. Just gonna do some bloods. Speaking of doing bloods. This movie had a lot of bloods in it. No, not it the, did. Not, not the gang, uh, but the physical act of bleeding. Yes, it, it. You know, last week on the show, me and Scott Wampler managed to see it, and now, multiple times. Well, <laughs> well, since then I've seen it again. <laughs> But I don't want to really talk about that experience. Although maybe for, it, it makes for good podcasting. Maybe I'll bring it up after you. It's good. It's good after you discuss it. After you. Okay, so you watched it, Matt. Yes, uh, Carlo didn't die, so everything's great. Yeah, I, I, I forgot about that. 
uh, yeah, Carlo was deathly afraid of seeing this, right? Yes, he had he had no interest, um, but he ended up seeing it anyway. You forced him to by gunpoint, I assume. I don't own a gun, much less many guns, <laughs> which would necessitate an entire rack. No, no, seriously. Um, <laughs> no, it was we, we had so much fun. Uh, he actually ended up loving this thing. I'm glad. I'm glad that was. I'm so happy. I mean, I think there were parts of this movie that scared me more than they scared him. So that was a fun switcheroo. Uh, Yeah, I love this thing. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, Everything about it is just it clicked with me. Uh, It's a great adaptation. I mean, some of these scenes that were in the movie were like straight out of the book, right down to the dialogue. I really love that. Uh, It's gorgeous. And it's also straight up terrifying. And yes, it's a horror movie. Damn it. Uh, but yeah, no, this thing is great. Uh, I went with uh, Carlo and about ten other friends. I didn't know I had that many, but hey, I do. And um, yeah, had so much fun. It was a sold out show, which is my preference when I go see a big horror movie. Love having a sold out crowd, uh, just to hear like you know audience reactions and stuff. And the reactions were great. Um, we had these two like teenage kids behind us who screamed like little girls every time something happened, and I turned around and they were the broiest bros ever, and that was really funny to me. But yeah, no, this movie's great. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, it's legit terrifying. And everyone should go see it. Which clearly you already have because it's making all of the money. Biggest horror opening of all time. Yes. Uh, well, like the second biggest R-rated opening of all time. Yeah, uh, like it a, made crazy money worldwide. 124 or something like that? Uh, that's in a, that's that's just in the States. Worldwide, yeah, I think it States. made like 185 or something. Yeah, uh, I'm happy. I'm very happy that it's this successful. As Rocky put it yeah. weeks, weeks ago when I saw him, he, he said, it is going to make all the money. And he was it right. It is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I'm happy for it. Uh, like I said last week, I mean, I very much enjoyed this. I saw it again this past weekend. Uh, I'll make this story really short. Uh, I went with somebody who, uh, when I suggested, hey, let's go see It, they're like, no, I'm not into horror movies. <laughs> and then, like, five minutes later, you know, they text it back. They go, okay, maybe. I'm interested. Okay. So I'm like, okay, let's let, let's go see it. And yeah, uh, this person managed to make it through about ten minutes of the movie and said, see ya, and just left. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. So yeah, uh, it's yeah. So I just saw it. I saw it by myself with a with a decent crowd. I, I want to see this again because that viewing experience wasn't like the best. I went to go see it like a not at the draft house, so the presentation wasn't like the the audio wasn't put up like wasn't high enough for me. So okay, I I could see that. That was odd, and I think the audience was weird like they didn't like it as much as i think they should have it just that's weird, weird to, yeah because i'm sure yeah, your that- audience matt like was into this thing right oh yeah they everyone was laughing just when they should people were screaming when they're supposed to like great crowd really great yeah. crowd for me i was and, frustrated i was like i was like come on people like why why aren't you into this yeah, more this this is, is like a rolling movie i yeah anyway yeah you're seeing you're seeing a horror film opening weekend get into it yeah exactly so come uh, on guys so, and it and I think it's because like I went to like kind of a snooty, a snooty like a uh, dine-in movie theater. Okay, that'll do it. So yeah, so I think that's why. So I need to go to like a draft house 
and yeah. or like a Flix brew house because if, if those in in Texas know that that's kind of like a a draft house uh, like a, a rip off, but it's like more what's it like run down. So I need, yeah. <laughs> I, need, I need to be with the people. Oh, you know what? I know. Okay, I'm gonna see it again this week, but I'm gonna go to a five dollar Tuesday night show. Nice. That's gonna be amazing. So yes, I'm gonna see it at least one more time in, in a theater. So that's how much I like this movie. I'm willing, I'm willing to see this at least three times in theater. Yeah, I'm gonna see this again. Um, I just gotta say, love the cast. Uh, these kids are like next level, and I really hope that they'll stick around for quite some time. I mean, the kid who plays Richie is just like. He really does knock it out of the park. Uh, he's the typical motor mouth, but he's so much fun, and his jokes are hilarious. Uh, I just love this cast. I love the kid who played Ben. I thought he was really good. The girl who played Beverly was, like, really impressed with her, uh, especially the shit that her character has to go through. It was really great. And Ben Skarsgård is Pennywise. Oh, boy, yes, please. Uh, he really did something truly special and scared the shit out of me, as well he should. Um... Did you notice that thing he did? They did with his eyes. Yeah, like uh, like one eye kind of wanders off. Yeah, I thought that was a computer effect. Oh, that's real. That's real. Uh, the director was gonna use CGI, but then Ben Skarsgård or what's his uh, Bill Skarsgård was like, "Hey, I can do that on my own," and he just like one eye would just travel. It's like, yeah, okay, you just saved us a couple uh, couple bucks. Let's do that. But yeah, no, that's actually his weird eye. That did that. Uh, oh, it's yeah, it's Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oof. But no, creepy. Like, seeing it a second time, like a lot of the problems I had with it, kind of uh, you know washed away. One of them was mm. the CGI effects. Uh, I kind of like was like uh, on the fence about him the first time, but seeing it again, okay, yeah. seeing it again, I think it blends like practical and like CGI really well, especially with. It- it blends really well, yeah. Yeah, uh, Bill Skarsgård as as Pennywise. I think him yeah, he's he's terrific. As like creepies, an effect, and as a practical, you know, in costume makeup and everything, it works really well. Yeah, so. yeah, he's he's pretty creepy, and uh, I do have to, to make one call out here to um, Jason Goes to Hell alumni Stephen Williams, who plays uh, Mike Hanlon's father at the uh, slaughterhouse or his like grandfather. Uh-huh. Loved him. Awesome. He played he played bounty hunter Creighton Duke. That's right. In Jason goes to hell. Yes, he popped up and I turned to Carl. I was like, "It's Creighton Duke." He's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, it was good times. I knew he looked familiar. Yeah, yeah, that's that guy. Nice, nice. Uh, Andrew, I'm gonna guess you haven't seen this movie yet. I have not. I wasn't initially planning on it, but the way everyone, especially in the talk film society Slack, has been talking about it, <laughs> uh, it sounds like it might actually be worth checking out. It's not that I had any particular like preconceived notions. I just uh, wasn't. This wasn't really on my radar, but sounds like it maybe should be. No, I, now, I, it's on, now it's on everyone's radar. <laughs> yeah, this this took me by surprise. I know that because I, I if you were to ask me like a month ago, I'd be like, you know, it looks okay, but will I go see it opening weekend? Or will I see it like twice, maybe three times in theaters? <laughs> I'd be like, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> But no, this, this took me by surprise. Like I'm super excited about it. I'm glad that everybody else is into it. So, yeah, it's it's a good surprise at this uh, the, at the beginning. I guess the unofficial beginning of fall that we have this movie. Yeah, uh, that'll take us into October. So, I'm happy about it. Uh, oh, you know, real quick, since we're on the subject of Stephen King, 
uh, Andrew, I know that you were, well, of course I know, uh, you wrote a great piece on uh, The Shining as part of our King of Summer Stephen King series. Thank uh, you for saying it was great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I loved it. Uh, I know people, uh, the, the comments, the reactions to it were like uh, pretty much all positive. Uh, talk about because I want people to read it. Like if you're listening to this, go to talkfromsociety.com and search Andrew's uh, King of Summer Shining article. Mm-hmm. But you know, Andrew, talk about what you focused on because like th- it's a subject that I think a lot of people know about, but don't really know <coughs> like the details about. If that makes sense. Sure. But yeah, uh, talk about uh, what you focused on in that article. Yeah, so you know, Talk Film was doing the. Uh, like Mar- like Marcelo said, the King of Summer uh, series where we all uh, pitched in an article about a King adaptation uh, to fill the gap between Dark Tower and It, since this was the Summer of King. Um, and I signed up for The Shining because it's one of my very favorite movies. It's one of those ones that usually is like the first thing I say if someone asks what my favorite movie is, even though then I think about it and five other things pop up. Yeah. Um, but there's so many different things to talk about in The Shining. There's so many different like ways to angles to come at. Like if you're going to write like a 700-ish word piece, you got to really narrow it down to some particular aspect of it. Um, so since it was a series about Stephen King specifically, I thought it might you know I've always thought it was interesting that it's like the one adaptation of his that he's been pretty vocally critical of. Oh yeah. Um, despite it being the, you know, most highly regarded, <laughs> I think, unequivocally, of all Stephen King adaptations, just in general. Um, and I have always kind of had a suspicion, having read the book a few years ago, but not nearly as many times as I've seen the movie, um, that, you know, King King definitely has a tendency, like, most, most of his stories have a self-insert. There's usually some kind of flawed writer character who is very clearly him, um, and I, I think, you know, he put a lot of himself in Jack Torrance, especially since there's that central theme of alcoholism in The Shining, and, you know, King was struggling with alcoholism at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, and the biggest difference between the movie and the book, to kind of nail down, like, the core of it, is that uh, the the Nicholson uh, Torrance was just not not ever a good person. Like, he was never... He's never likable. He goes from just kind of regular asshole to monstrous asshole. asshole. <laughs> as the movie goes on. Which I think serves the completely different sort of angle and sort of broader scope that Kubrick brought to it, where it's more about, you know, the systemic sort of racism and sexism of America, uh, which is all over that movie, and uh, Torrance being a, a symbol of it, and that the alcohol just allows it to fester rather than completely uh, corrupting him as, as happens basically in the book. Um, and just the, the entirely different sort of look at the themes there. Um, and I think that's why King has always kind of taken it more personally than his other works that like it maybe struck him a little close to home that it took his self insert character and made him just a horrible person. Um, that's, oh, I can see that. Yeah. Reading between the lines more than is maybe appropriate, but he, I've, I've always kind of been baffled by his, his hatred of it until I I thought about it from that angle, to the point that he did that miniseries in 97 uh, that he wrote the screenplay for and supervised all of, like, he was, like, seeming, like, it felt like he was just desperate to get 
his version of The Shining on the screen to try to. He was in it. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in it as a a a band leading ghost. Yep. Um, and largely, the less said about the miniseries, the better, frankly. <laughs> but uh, it definitely apparently <laughs> apparently a part of the deal of him getting the rights to do that because Kubrick actually maintained the rights personally. Uh, and King had to get the rights back, and the only like provision was that he could no longer badmouth the Kubrick movie, which is <laughs> fascinating to me. Um, but yeah, so I, I wrote just a little bit about you know that angle and how the the book is about one man, and the uh, movie is much more about systems and how much more pathetic the central man is. So uh, I could have written you know five times that much about The Shining, but that's not what our website does. So, yeah, go check that out if that sounds interesting. <laughs> Please do. Like like I said, I think it's well worth a read. Uh, and yeah, uh, great job, Andrew. I liked it a lot. Thank you. Uh, hey, Matt. Yes? Um, why don't we move on? Oh, I guess it's me. There's no transition. It is. There's no transition to this. We're going to do some bloods. Blood. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> we're at the doing blood section of the podcast. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna knock these out. This is this is a double feature, and these these are two Jean Claude Van Damme movies. Uh, so I'm gonna do Bloodsport and Cyborg together. Okay. Oh boy. Uh, so I had no idea I was doing this until like I was started watching Cyborg, which is the second movie in this double feature. But I started with Bloodsport, uh, a Jean Claude Van Damme movie I had never seen, but always heard about. Uh, it's I think it's the it's. The one or one of the ones that like lifted him into superstardom. It's from 1988. It's a canon film. Uh, if you don't know what canon is, please look into it. It's the most Damn right. the most insane production company I think to ever have existed. Uh, but no, like, and some of them are like re- like gems in their genre. Like, I think what Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two was a canon film. Uh, what else? I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, like Death Wish 3. Yeah, there's some stellar ones in there. Okay, this, I think, is one of the better ones, for sure. Uh, I came into it expecting kind of like... It is okay. It is a silly movie, alright? The plot is silly, the dialogue silly, but man, is the action, like, top-notch. Like, Jean-Claude Van Damme and everybody else, every performer in this, like, they sell it. Like, this... <laughs> it, there's not much plot to it. It's a blood sport... <laughs> it's a blood sport. <sighs> it's a torn. It's like Mortal Kombat before Mortal Kombat. Like that's that's yeah. that's the easiest way. See, to put I think it. I've, I think I've seen this, but I, then again, I might have seen like Bloodsport two instead. Yeah, and I don't, I don't remember. And I'm sure that's the same plot. Like Jean Claude I mean, Van Damme. There's four of these movies. Yeah, and Van Damme's only in the first one, and I'm sure the other ones follow the same plot where he goes to, uh, goes to Hong Kong and he does. Uh, he's in this tournaments, this martial arts full contact tournament. And that's it, really. So he, he's doing it to prove his honor and the honor of his uh, of his uh, master, of his trainer. And yeah, it's by the end of it, I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty good. It's a fun, silly Jean-Claude Van Damme action movie. So it's it's good. I recommend it. It's uh, at this point, it's like a cult hit. So uh, if you haven't already seen it, please do. It's silly fun. And then <laughs> I decided to watch another Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Which was not as much fun. Called Cyborg. Oh boy! Another canon movie. I did not realize this is a canon movie until I saw the logo for canon. And I'm like, oh shit! And you're th- like, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> and this came out a year after Bloodsport, so canon was like, uh, Bloodsport was a hit. So we want to do more Van Damme movies. 
and then Cyborg happens, and uh, like it's it's not it's not good. It's not it's it it was it's only like an hour and like forty five minutes, but it felt like three hours long. Uh, the action's not even that good. It's it, the plot is it's so dumb. Like there's a it, it takes place in the future, post apocalyptic future. There's a cyborg carrying uh, the cure to a disease that killed like half the population. Uh, there are these like post apocalyptic Mad Max Ian like uh, pirates, like these gangsters, whatever they are. This group of people that that capture the cyborg and they don't want the cure to spread because they like the world as it is. And Jean-Claude Van Damme wants to save the world and, and you know, uh, help this cyborg spread the cure. So, it's a dumb movie. <laughs> I need to... I, I, I've seen um, some of this director's movies. <laughs> oh, what, uh, uh, are you looking at his filmography right now? Yes. Like, what, what are the he- ones that has he directed? Okay, he did that horrible 90s Captain America movie. Oh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen Doll Man. What, I've seen that. What is that, even? I don't know what that is. He's like a, he's like a tiny little cop. <laughs> <laughs> that tells me he's, tiny he's like 12 inches bloods. tall. <laughs> he's like 12 inches tall. He's Doll Man. I've seen that, and I've seen like one of the sequels. It's called like Doll Man versus the Demonic Toys. <laughs> And I think there was even like a uh, like a puppet master crossover. Okay. At one okay. time. Yeah. Yeah, Dollman's fun. So the cinematic um, universe. No, it's Dollman cinematic universe. You didn't know. And then I think I've seen Nemesis. It's like this like bad future cop movie. <sighs> yeah, he's got some awesome movie posters. I'll give him that. He made a ne- <laughs> He made a he made a, the Nemesis trilogy. That's a thing. I, I, uh, something called Radioactive Dreams, which, judging by the poster, is, I don't know, a detective story that takes place during a nuclear holocaust, and then there's a biker chick gang, and it stars... What? It's a Philip Marlowe story? What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I, oh, no, never mind. Meet Their names are Philip and Marlowe. Jesus, um, okay. They are the post-nuclear private eyes. Oh, my head is spinning. <laughs> Uh, but no, I need this movie. I, I will say, reading up on it, because for every movie I ever watch, I do n- needless research on. Uh, Albert Poon, I, I think yeah. that's how you pronounce his name, the director. Poon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this got taken away from him, and apparently Jean-Claude Van Damme is an uncredited editor on this, and also Bloodsport. Oh, Jesus Christ. Who is? <laughs> so, uh, the director, Albert Poon... He he took it back. He he had like um, tapes. He had old masters of the film, and years later he recut it into his own director's cuts. And last I saw, like he sells it online on his personal website. So I would actually like to see that. That's wonderful because like the way it is now, it just feels it feels like one of those eighties movies where all you can tell the the violence and the gore is cut out. Like there's a lot of almost great action moments, like great death scenes, that just feel neutered. So, I hated that aspect of it. So, I, I like... Yeah, but have have you seen his Captain America? <laughs> <laughs> was that also a canon movie? I wouldn't be surprised if it was. I, I don't know, uh, but I knew I grew up watching that thing. But yeah, but hey, if you want to have a Jean-Claude Van Damme canon double feature, go uh, subscribe to Stars and watch that there. <laughs> readily available on the Stars. I was going to ask, where is this available? Uh, on, Thank you. Yeah, my Star subscription is good for another like week, so 
Yeah. So, hey, you're making the most of it. <laughs> By watching a really good Jean-Claude Van Damme movie and a really bad one. So, uh, so that's my canon Van Damme double feature. And, and all this because I wanted to see, like, sudden... Was it sudden death? That uh, sudden impact. Sudden, yeah. Sudden is it sudden impacts? The one I think so. One where at, that sound. They're at the hockey game, and Powers Booth is a bad guy. Oh, never mind. Sudden impact is uh, the third or fourth. Third. Uh, it's the fourth uh, Dirty Harry movie. Sorry. Oh uh, yeah. No. Okay. See, that's an actual good movie. <laughs> I wanted to see sudden death, which I think that's the name. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Apple TV was like, oh. You know, we don't have that available. Why don't you see this? I'm like, okay, fine. Anyway. Yeah, it's during the Stanley Cup Finals, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because hockey. <laughs> because of hockey. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's enough of that. I'm done talking John claude Van Damme. Uh, Sudden Impact is an awesome movie, by the way. Everyone should see that one. It is. That's the one that has... It's the fourth movie, right? I believe so, yes. And, yeah. and it has one of the catchphrases that I think a lot of people associate with the first movie. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. What is it again? <laughs> is it... It's Go Ahead, Make My Day. Yeah, that's it. Go Ahead and Make My Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Let's go ahead. Do some bloods. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, uh, what... Okay, let's go like a complete 180 from Jean-Claude Van Damme Cannon movies to Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Somebody here saw Rope. I sure did. There you go. Um, I had seen it many years ago um but barely remembered it i remembered liking it um but we recently actually i think it was for christmas uh we got the blu-ray and finally got around to watching it um because it is uh pre-spooky season when we tend to put on like uh psychological thrillers and stuff before we ramp up to full tilt horror oh like Um, like it yeah (laughs) exactly Uh, um so uh, we put on Rope, um, and gosh, that is an interesting little movie. Um, it's a Hitchcock from 1948, uh, which is astounding when you're watching it to remember that it's from oh my God, the 40s. Yeah. It feels very ahead of its time. It looks it looks more like a movie from the 50s, like if you see the new restoration with the, the Technicolor. It looks really good. Uh, yeah, it looks great. They um, did a great job with that. That's the one where Hitchcock got very experimental and decided he was going to shoot the entire thing in essentially one long take. Yeah. Um, obviously, the uh, a film at the of the time only ran like ten minutes of canister, so there are cuts uh, once every ten minutes or so that are hidden by like uh, someone steps in front of the camera for a second, and then when they step away, it's a different shot. And then zooming um, and in on like butts and stuff. Yeah, and then there's there's one distinct moment where they they call attention to you know the sudden break in in the tension of the scene by doing the one undisguised cut in the whole movie, which is very effective to suddenly have a cut to a close up in the middle of like you know forty five minutes after you've, yeah. you've seen the last one. Um, it's the story of uh, two young men who are roommates and pretty unquestionably lovers to some degree. Yeah, uh, definitely. The movie is the subtext. The subtext is barely sub. Um, it's just text. It's just text. Yeah, it's 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 a it's it's an incredibly gay movie. Um, <laughs> there's one scene where they're they're both talking nervously about this murder they've just committed and getting all excited, while one of them is like working a champagne bottle until it finally pops up. And that's just <laughs> the most, uh, yeah, the most phallic thing I've I've seen. In oh, the movie Hitchcock, from the 40s. You, you trickster. Um. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, it's it, they they throw a dinner party uh, for the the young man uh, after murdering a young man uh, just to prove that they can, uh, and they hide him in in a chest in their apartment and throw a dinner party for the young man's friends and family. So they're all standing around this uh, chest that the body is in, uh, just feeling the thrill of being so close to being discovered. Um, and they invite their old professor, who is played by uh, Jimmy Stewart, uh, who comes in and kind of slowly catches on that something is amiss, and they think he's going to be so proud of uh, their their plan and and their crime, but he is he is horrified. Um, one one of them is proud, and the other one is very nervous the entire time. Uh, everyone gives really great performances, and it's very funny. Um, it's it's as much a comedy as it is a thriller. Um, yeah, I haven't seen is, this in a while, but I remember laughing. Yeah, um, there's this really great like monologue by Stewart at the end uh, when he's you know realized what's going on um, about how you know because he, he was the one who inspired them with his kind of thought exercises about uh, people murder being legal for people who deserve it and stuff like that. Yeah, and he he uh, gives this great monologue about how ashamed he is that his words have uh, found their way to people who actually dare to act on them and and the responsibility of that, which all felt incredibly relevant in the internet age. Um, mm-hmm. Which is astounding for a movie from 1948 that felt like it was speaking so directly to the internet. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely recommend it's 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 a lesser known Hitchcock compared to like the big, big masterpieces from the yeah. 50s and 60s that everyone always cites, but I would say it's it's my, like, it's close right behind Psycho for like my personal favorite of, of everything I've seen of his. It's, oh, wow, nice. It's very good. It's got that thing where you give it a little bit of extra love because no one ever talks about it. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I, um, you rarely hear people bring it up, and I'm like, but hey, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, this yeah, is, I'm gonna be. Re- I'll be revisiting it. Yeah, this is one I haven't seen in years and years. I saw this during one of the Hitchcock fests uh, during uh, on Turner Classic Movies, like you know, a decade and a half ago. But uh, no, like I, I bought that Hitchcock box set a few months ago. I need to dive in and watch uh, the whole thing. Uh, I mean that whole box set because there's a lot of blind spots on there for me. Yeah, same here. Yeah, and also I should. There's say, a hilarious. Oh, go ahead. There's go a ahead. hilarious documentary um, on the disc too, where they're they're talking to a couple of the, um, the producers and writers who were you know around who were, I think are are, are long since passed away, but you know we're we're around as old men to talk on this DVD from 15 years ago or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they talk about how. Uh, when when they were working on it, no one in the studio dared say the words, you know, gay or homosexuality. They just referred to it as it. Hmm. <laughs> they, they said they would very forcefully say something like, well, these two young men are clearly it, but we're oh, not Jesus. going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is A, bizarre as hell to listen to, and B, yeah. makes it all relevant for tonight's yeah. conversation. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, let's... Uh, yeah, I've... I feel some uh, Hitchcock coming on, actually, for me. I mean, ever since I moved into the apartment, I've wanted to watch Rear Window, because of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been having a lot of Rear Window moments to, uh, lately. Like, this morning, I was taking out the garbage, and I saw this girl go into this guy's apartment. And then, ten minutes later, the cop showed up, and an ambulance showed up. And I was like, oh my god, he killed her. What happened? <laughs> what, what, what is happening? 
And then no, she walked outside and everything was fine. But I was, I was, I was like, oh my god! And you were my... slightly disappointed. I was like, oh, I almost had a rear window moment at eleven thirty a.m. on a Sunday. This would have been great. <laughs> but Wait. no, they're alive now. Buy a telescope, Matt. Buy binoculars. Uh... <laughs> also, break your leg being a wheelchair. That's what, that's what I said to Carlo. I was like, I just need binoculars and a wheelchair, and then we can do this. <laughs> Come on, it'll be awesome. I should also say I've been wanting to, you know, visit, revisit a lot of these Hitchcock um, films and Rope too, because uh, our our writer over there at Talk from Society, Manish, has been doing his Beginner's Guide yes. to Hitchcock. Uh, it's an excellent series. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I think he did Rope not too long ago, and I've been meaning to rewatch it. So yeah, uh, I think yeah maybe maybe October will be my my Hitchcock month. I just yeah because I mean I know it's going to be you know what you're calling horror season. Um, <laughs> uh, I will definitely be rewatching you know Psycho and the Birds because those are just oh boy I love them. Yeah. So yeah, so stay tuned, folks, for horror season. Sure. <laughs> anyway. Uh, speaking of horror, real life horror, uh, yeah, I think we're we're doing like a mini uh, Ridley Scott retrospective on the podcast these, these last few episodes. No, we I have ha- been. I have not. If you if you missed it last week or last episode, I should say, uh, Matt told me to go watch American Gangster. Uh, Matt, I haven't had time yet to see it. I'm sorry. Totally fine. It's I, totally fine. I will see it. Uh, I've got Kingdom of Heaven on the big screen in about a week or so. So, yeah. Uh, last week I saw Black Hawk Down and Matt. Well, had... when you see, well, when you watch Kingdom of Heaven, I'll have some words. You have some words, some good <laughs> words, I, I guess. Oh, you have no idea, but uh, some surprising good words as well. But All kinds of words. Continue. So, anyway, so I saw Black Hawk Down, and you rewatched Black Hawk Down. Uh, yeah. So how how long has it been since you've seen this movie, Matt? Uh, opening weekend. So holy crap! When did this come out? Two thousand one. It came out December two thousand one. Wow! So sixteen, about sixteen years. It's been quite some time. So how did it hold up sixteen years later? Incredibly well. Um, I really, really love this thing. I love the almost documentary look of it. Um, the cinematography. I can't pronounce his name. Slawomir Itziak. That yeah, sure. Um, really is the MVP of this movie. I love the way he shoots it. Um, like you are down there on the streets with these soldiers as they're basically just avoiding gunfire for two and a half hours, and it's one of the most intense and immediate war films I've ever seen. I really love this thing. And Ridley Scott knows how to make an action movie, and he does it really well here. And I gotta say, this cast constantly surprised me with the amount of, oh my god, I know that guy, people showing up, who were, like, not really famous then, but would go on to be huge. I mean, this was Tom Hardy's first movie, and he shows up. Um, Jason Isaacs is in this. He wasn't really that big back then. But my big surprise watching it this time, there were two. First off, the bad guy from Kindergarten Cop is in this. That's right. And I... And I've only seen him in Kindergarten Cop <laughs> and this. And Ty Burrell from Modern yeah. Family shows up. And I'm like, what are you doing in a serious movie? 
what, what are you doing here? You're silly. So, but no, like he shows up and he's actually really good for when he shows up. I was I was very impressed. At least at least we forget he was also in the Dawn of the Dead remake, right? Oh my god, he was. Yeah, yeah. That, look at him. And uh, that was my introduction to him, obviously, because like I saw that and then I saw him in Modern Family. I go, what is this creep doing? Like in this wholesome TV show? So yeah, right. Yeah, like anyway. yeah, but no, I I yeah, I really like this thing. It's uh, pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, uh, I like I said last week, uh, I I should see it again. Like I, I I think I missed my opportunity to see this on the big screen because the Draft House is doing that mini retro with uh, okay. the the Duelist, Black Hawk Down, Black Rain, which I saw, and Kingdom of Heaven, which I'll see. So yeah, this this would have been great to see on the big screen. Also, Orlando Bloom in this. Everybody's pre- in this pre Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> Right? Yeah, yeah. This came yeah. out a few... Came Same out like time, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like a month so, before, right? Some so, month. yeah. Look at that guy go. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I really love this thing. Uh, it's loud. Oh, boy. This is a loud movie, and uh, Hans Zimmer's score is top-notch. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't let this go. Would you say he was Orlando Blossoming? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> Uh, I love having you on the show. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh boy. Um, what else can What else can we say about Black Hawk Down? I mean, I mean Andrew, uh, how have you seen? Black I have Hawk not Down? seen it. Yeah, not seen I have it. not. How familiar? I should probably. Are you with, uh, how familiar are you with the works of Ridley Scott? Other than I, I'm, I'm going to assume you've seen the big ones, but yeah, um, Alien is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, Damn right. <laughs> love Blade Runner. Um, there's, I mean, you know, like you said, the big ones. Um, he's, I, I always love hearing him talk. He's a fascinating interview subject. Yes, he is. Um, and his, you know, alien commentary, documentary interviews, and everything are are really, really great. Um, he's an interesting filmmaker more than anything. I would say in that, like, I'm either really totally in love with what he's doing. Or I'm very frustrated and trying to figure out why I'm frustrated. <laughs> I can see that. Um, you know, it, it. He definitely he does he does things which is more than you can say for most people um, making movies on his on his level. So uh, yeah, I'm gener- generally a fan, except for the occasional missteps. I think we all acknowledge he has every now and then. I don't think Matt would acknowledge them. I think he loves every single one. <laughs> well, there's movies that he's made that I haven't seen. Uh, well, how about this? Like most of his 90s output. <laughs> have you? Is there a Ridley Scott movie you have seen that you did not like? Um, I'm not the biggest fan of G.I. Jane. Uh, I mean, it's, it's fine. I haven't seen that one either. It's fine for what it is, but I don't know. And I don't think Legend is all that great. I mean, Legend I, is very interesting if you compare the two versions. I mean, I neither love, is good, but they're both bad in a different fun, a different way. That's fun. Yeah, that I, mean, I, I mean, I love Legend. I think it's fun, and I think it's especially fun if you watch it as like a Legend of Zelda movie. Um, I, th- I think his cut of Legend, his like the the director's cut that's now like yeah. the definitive edition or whatever, uh, is a better movie, and that makes it a worse experience if that okay, makes I guess, any sense. Yeah, that kind of makes sense, yeah. Because it, it's like, the original has that sort of, like you said, Zelda kind of 80s, yeah. uh, that very particular kind of fantasy that only existed in the 80s um, that wasn't great, but was just 
kind of beautiful <laughs> in, in its own way. Yeah. That thing uh, with the Tangerine Dream score and all that mm-hmm. stuff. It's it's a bad movie, but it's really interesting and fun. His yeah, it's cut, super fun. His cut is better, and it holds together as like a story, and you can take it seriously a little more. But that kind of makes it. It sort of takes away what I like about the original version. So it takes away some of the fun. Yeah, neither one is perfect. They're both kind of reaching towards something that neither one is quite achieving. But it's a fascinating example of of editing, if nothing else. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Andrew and Matt and the listeners, uh, come along with me on this journey, uh, which uh, I, I, I've taken Matt and the listeners on, I think, in a previous episode. But what you just said, Andrew, about like it being not as fun, this new cut, uh, I can say all that about Blade Runner. Okay, I've I've made this point before. I am, oh, yeah, you're that guy. I'm the guy who likes the theatrical cuts of Blade Runner. All right, I prefer that one. I think. Okay, I could understand liking it, not preferring it. The final that's cut just baffles me. The fi- oh, what like it? What what's the difference there? I prefer it. I I would want to watch it more than the final cut. At this point, if you gave me the final cut or th- the theatrical cut to see, I'd go with the fi- with the theatrical cut, not final cut. No. Ugh. Uh, but it's more interesting to me, the theatrical cuts. I like that it's like, <laughs> is it going to be, you know, weird to say, like a shambles. Like, it's, to me, infinitely more interesting. It, him trying to make it a perfect movie. Yeah, I prefer the polished diamond. No. Uh, <laughs> I prefer the, the, the riding fruit of... Uh, it's Harrison Ford's narration trying intentionally to sink it that, that sinks it <laughs> for me whenever yeah. I try to watch yep. the original. <laughs> And again, like I haven't seen, I, I did see the final cuts last week, right? And it's 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 an extraordinary experience. But I don't know, like if I sat down and watched like the theatrical cut right now, I think I'd be more, you know, in what's the what's the word? I just would find it a more interesting experience. So well, it's it's definitely not as bleak. It's definitely I, got the happy ending. <laughs> that 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 crazy happy ending. Anyways. The crazy happy ending taken from The Shining. Yes, yeah. exactly. Ooh. So it all ties together. Yeah, we're really good at this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I yeah, do like I, this. I do like the story of how uh, Scott had to call up Kubrick, and he's like, "Do you have any extra footage I could use?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, sure. Take what you need. <laughs> fine, whatever." He's like, "Fine, whatever. Who are you?" <laughs> That's kind of how I picture Kubrick answering most questions. Fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, fine, whatever. Just do what you want. Leave, leave me alone. <laughs> Unless it was about his own work, and then, of course, it was a very long-winded and specific answer. Of course. <laughs> did you know he was a huge fan of The Simpsons? Just a fun yeah, fact I heard, about I, Kubrick. I, I did know that. Yeah, apropos I heard about of nothing. That. Makes sense, though, when you think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, The uh, I think all, all the five cuts of Blade Runner. Um, <laughs> so many. I like that they're all there. Um, there's definitely something interesting in each one, whether or not any of them are better than the others. I like that the Scott is someone who likes to tinker with his work through the years, but treats each version that exists with equal respect. Yes. Uh, and a- appreciates that you might want the version you prefer, and that if he's going to make them all, he might as well give you the choice. Yeah, that's what I do like that, yeah. Unlike certain contemporaries of his. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Yep, yep. We all know who we're talking about. Steven Spielberg. Nope, that's not <laughs> Those, he, those fucking walkie-talkies. He's, he's, oh, God. I'm oh so God. glad he apologized for that. 
You know what? You know, uh, he was like, is, you know what? My bad. I made a mistake. Sorry, guys. That's a, on me. A, a quick tangent. Uh, <laughs> where? No, I guess we shouldn't even talk about it now. Because tell me. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> all I'll say is like I'm going to rewatch ET soon, and I think Matt, you know why, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be picking up that that new 4K disc on uh, Tuesday. I have the Blu-ray, but I don't think that special edition that Spielberg made with the walkie-talkies. I don't think it's on there. Like, is it like regularly? It is not. It's not. Is it? it? Is, no, it's not. No. Like, I'm. I. I don't think I've ever seen that cut. I'm interested. I did. In it. Opening uh, weekend. <laughs> like, is is there any worth to that cut? Uh, I don't know. No, not really. It's. Let it's, me see if it's on the Blu-ray. Hold on. Okay. As as Mac. Let me go to my. I'm gonna go to my shelf. Be right see, back. I'm, I'm pretty my, sure. I mean, yeah, uh, Andrew, I think you're right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's on that Blu-ray. Yeah, my recollection is he did it for the anniversary, which was like a theatrical release, and the first time it was on DVD. And both cuts were on the DVD. And then when the Blu-ray came out, he actually like came out and said like, "Yeah, that that was a mistake. I don't <laughs> think we need to include that again." Yeah, and and, and and by all respects, I think that was the smart, the the right move. Be- oh, but I I would just want to watch that cut just. Out of pure curiosity, uh, for this it's fine. It's fine. I'll, 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 I'll track it down. I rent. I'll rent the DVD from my local video store. So, yeah, I don't think it's on the. No, it's not on the Blu-ray. No, it's on there, but uh, oh, but I mean, it's no. You don't need it. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a watch because I'm just out of pure goddamn walkie-talkies. Pure curiosity. Anyway, so that was. Ridley Scott and Black Hawk Down. We'll talk more Ridley Scott in the next episode. Uh, I'll make sure to sure see, we will. I'll make sure to see American Gangster. Woo! Uh, hey, Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> no, no transition. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, in in keeping with the uh, sort of psychological thriller murder season that I discussed in Rope, uh, one of the other ones that my wife and I rewatched for like the millionth time this week was Silence of the Lambs, which is also a very good September-y kind of movie. Yes. Um, there's there's not a whole lot to say to convince someone that movie's great. I think it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty well acknowledged at this point. Um, obviously, there's the angle we're all more aware of lately, um, which is good. We should all be more aware of it, that obviously there's some issues uh, with what it does or does not or tries or fails to say about trans people mm-hmm. um i've got i've got you know several different I've, I've got a couple different trans friends who i've talked about signs of the lambs with and i've got trans friends who absolutely hate it and think it's just a a harmful you know thing that exists and some who have a kind of nuanced take on how it's it's trying some things and and is is uh perhaps redeeming itself in the things it says um I don't think any of them are are wrong. Everyone's everyone can feel however they feel, and that's not my place to say as a cisgender person. But uh, that that aside, um, there are so many other uh, other qualities to to discuss. In addition, um, and obviously, this being the first year that Jonathan Demi has been gone, I think it's the first time I'd watched it since since he passed away. Uh, he did some good ass work on that movie. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, his close-ups uh, are probably the most striking thing. The way everyone in that movie, every character who is uh, measuring up Clarice at some point or another, who is you know, which would be most of the characters, ends yeah. up staring right down the barrel of the camera, which makes you feel like you're being measured up in an extreme mm-hmm. close-up. It's very uh, effective. 
Yeah, I've noticed that in um, <clears throat> this movie and in uh, The Manchurian Candidate from Demi, uh, people look straight at the camera, which I love, mm-hmm. and I credit it to both Demi and his cinematographer at the time, uh, Tak Fujimoto. Yes. He does great work, and he doesn't get any credit ever. I've said that on the show before, and I'll say it again here. <laughs> it's true of pretty much every cinematographer. Mm-hmm. They're responsible for so much, and no one ever talks about them except us nerds. Yep. Nerds and care. Then, sometimes Damn it. not enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, that that's a that's a great movie. Um, and now there's so many different versions of Hannibal Lecter out there to choose from. Yeah. Because um, for for so long it seemed that no one would ever like usurp Hopkins because Sansa Lambs was such a moment in culture. Um, but now I think that we've got a little more distance from it, and uh, Hopkins reprised the role in some movies that were markedly less good um speaking of ridley scott <laughs> oh yeah 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 <laughs> forgot about that <laughs> um and and also brett ratner whose movie is is much worse than the the, the ridley scott one do you want to hear a joke um, yeah do brett ratner's red dragon <laughs> yeah accurate Oof. um Oof. and there's and there's now now we've i think uh the uh manhunter is sort of getting a, a reappraisal in the last few years as like a a great as well it movie. should uh michael mann uh did some more excellent work there and brian cox has a much smaller part as hannibal lecter but he's equally good in a very different way uh-huh um, love him and of course mads mickelson now so there's it's reached the point where there's enough of them that no one feels as definitive as the other but yeah which I, I was like. appreciating. I was appreciating this thing that Hopkins does in Sons of Lambs, particularly where he's he's always existing as a satire of something mm. around him. That like when he's talking to Clarice, so often he just slips into being like a sleazy guy, but it's like a cartoon of a sleazy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when he like goes for the full on like blood slurping sound that he does, it's like he's just he's really just he's really leaning into it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's it's everyone's performance in that movie and the direction cinematography. It's yeah, it's great. Uh, I lucked into getting the the Criterion DVD a while back for five. Me too. I, I, I think got they that. didn't know what they had at the used shop. That was my first Criterion back when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm not got, a kid. About the I was Blu-ray, a teenager, but you know, I've got the the, the MGM uh, Blu-ray for for watching the movie. But the Criterion has some really interesting features that never carried over, like a commentary, which is the commentary with uh, Demi and Hopkins and uh, Jodie Foster, which and Jodie Foster and um, the the uh, FBI profiler that they yes like, was their yeah their, uh, consultant, super cool. Who's really interesting to hear from, since that's not an angle you get on a lot of DVD commentaries. No, not at all. You don't, don't, don't um, usually get a uh, government man. So it's definitely worth seeking out like both editions if you're a fan of the movie. Definitely try to get not only the Blu-ray for the better presentation, but that Criterion has a lot of extras that are worth spending a few dollars on a used copy for if you're into that yeah. kind of thing. Okay, I love the movie. I love uh, pretty much every single iteration of Hannibal Lecter, except I have not seen Hannibal Rising, and I, th- I don't think I'll ever see it. So Don't. I've seen it twice, and it was not a good decision either. By the way. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I will not be seeing that movie, but... I saw it right when it came out, and then a couple of years too. ago, after Hannibal, the show, ended, uh, we went through and decided, like, wouldn't it be interesting to see all the different takes kind of side by side, so we, like, marathoned all the movies, which Oof. is a smorgasbord of quality, I'll say that, <laughs> I'll say that much. <laughs> and, oof, yeah, Hannibal Rising makes 
it's makes the worst. every decision you don't want it to make. It's the worst. Yep. Uh, that was a book that I read in a day. Yeah. <laughs> I read that book in an afternoon. Um, the book, a book was that fine. Was, a book that was written because Dino De Laurentiis was essentially holding Thomas Harris ransom. Yes. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Dillard just uh. said, well, we're making the movie whether or not you write the story because we have the rights to it. And Thomas Harris was like, well, if I want it to be done the way I see it being done, I guess I better do it, even though he I, didn't actually want to do it. So. I guess I'll write the book. Fine. <laughs> Which it feels like the whole, both the movie and book, it feels like uh, an obligation. Something uh, else. But uh, I, I, I do hope that maybe in the future... Brian Fuller gets to do another season or a movie where he does like the Science of the Lambs uh, plotline. Nice. Maybe, but how that ending was so perfect, I don't want to ruin it. Blah, 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 blah. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so when Hannibal <laughs> gets in his spaceship I'm finished. I'm, I'm, at, the okay, end, I'm, at the end oh, of he, season three. Oh. <laughs> Poochie went back to his home planet. Okay, good. How far um, are you into your... Because you started it like months ago, Matt. You're not finished yet? No, Twin Peaks happened. <laughs> the return happened. Um, but no, I'm going to be watching uh, that during uh, spooky season. I won't say anything, but I will say that Hannibal had a definite contender for my favorite series finale of all time. It's it is beautiful. It's a hell of an ending. That whole entire season, season three, uh, like each season, like I love se- it. Season one, season I've two, heard it, season I've, two, season I've three. I've heard season. I've heard season three described as a fever dream. And yeah, I'm yeah. Very happy with that. It just that sounds fun. Amps everything it's, up. Like you, like you thought season two was you know, uh, like a bizarre and hyperactive. No, season three takes it to new heights. It, it's mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, sounds. Fun. This is a comparison that isn't totally accurate or fair, but I I think it's pretty fair to say that uh, season three is as close to having David Lynch on television as anything other than Twin Peaks has ever been. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe not in content, but in, in uh, daring to just be an art film. Yeah, and... Okay, very excited. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but no, like, uh, there are episodes and moments in season three where I'm like, oh, this is the height of uh, creativity... This is peak TV. Visu- <laughs> like, like, pulling off visuals in the best way possible on TV and then you know yeah Twin Peaks happened and then it, it, it killed it knocked everything else off the list so I love things that commit to being pretentious and know they're pretentious <laughs> and they just lean so far into pretentiousness that it's that's my favorite thing silly that's and my that's favorite exactly thing what Hannibal does in the third season exactly so uh, please please do it Matt do not disappoint I'm me gonna don't, don't it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be my spooky season show. Don't okay, worry. So, and we'll hear your thoughts on the future episode of Hey, what you watching? You're damn right, you will. Hey, speaking of psychos, American Psycho. Yeah, yeah. Who speaking saw of this? pretentious dudes, <laughs> this was me too. Um, following on that same uh, kind of theme week uh, of murderers. <laughs> um, I like this American theme. Psycho. It's a uh, one of our very, very favorite films in this house. Uh, we watch it probably a couple times a year, but September always feels like a good time for it. Excellent. Last year around this time, they actually screened it at the local uh, art house, and it was really fun seeing it with a crowd on the big screen. Um, yeah, American Psycho is one of those ones where I feel like a lot of people think they've seen it and they haven't, if that makes sense. Or a lot of people know, think they know what it's about. 
Yeah. Either based on kind of the iconic scenes that get quoted or knowing the book, which is actually a very different uh, enterprise from the mm-hmm. movie. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, American Psycho was a book by Brett Easton Ellis, uh, who is a dude who behaves some ways. Um, yeah, he definitely, a he lot definitely has about. some opinions. Um, he likes to defend the book as satire, but uh, it's a little hard to defend in its sensationalism in terms of just doing the thing rather than actually being satire. Yeah. Um, in terms of its depictions of some very specific sexual violence against women and stuff like that. The movie um, was directed and written by two women, uh, Mary Heron and uh, Guinevere yes. Turner co-wrote the screenplay with Mary Heron, who directed it. Um, and I think that makes, that makes it a really interesting exercise in, like, okay, here's, you know, material that is at the very least dealing with misogyny and it's debatable as to whether or not it pulls off satirizing it or just does the thing and is gross. Um, and what can, you know, two women do with it? Um, which is great, not only because women so rarely get to be directors of high profile, uh, movies, uh, which as we all know is a huge issue, but to tackle this particular, um, kind of material is extra interesting and extra rare <laughs> yeah um and it's a movie that only gets more relevant <laughs> oh yeah um the way uh patrick bateman is constantly thinks he's seeing donald trump out of the corner of his eye <laughs> um, and it ends with you know an ominous reagan speech playing in the background it it definitely feels like one of those this is how we got here uh kind of kind of movies this is our life now um, it was made in uh, 2000, but it's set in the late 80s uh, on Wall Street. Um, and it's all about that kind of, uh, you know, Reaganism, consumerist culture. And uh, the way that all of the male characters keep confusing each other for each other. Um, in that the ultimate horror ends up being Bateman realizing that what he thought made him both special and scary and a fascinating psychological case study actually just makes him part of a system and everyone around him is either like him or will allow him to continue doing what he's doing and that is horrifying even to him and that's that's the end it's one of my favorite endings of all time that monologue about how this confession has meant nothing as the camera pushes in his eyes and there's a sign above him that says this is not an exit (laughs) it's not subtle but it's great um, I really wish Mary Heron got to direct more movies because it's, yeah, one, of same the, here. it's one of the smartest uh, directed movies. It's one of those movies where the, the person uh, behind the camera is really uh, making, you know, doing something, <laughs> doing something with it. And yeah. Christian Bale's performance, I think it's, just, it's his best performance that I've ever seen. It's um, up there. It's definitely up there. And Willem Dafoe um, is incredible. They do this interesting thing with Dafoe, who is the detective who may or may not actually be onto him, where they shot each scene three different ways. One where Defoe was sure he was like, that this was the guy one where he had no idea and one where he was starting to suspect him. And then Heron just cut those indiscriminately together. So you can never quite tell. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. And when you watch the scenes back, knowing that you can see the, the kind of exercise in like expressing Bateman's paranoia of like any given moment, he can't tell how close he is to being caught. Uh, it's great. Also, oh, man, uh, I Justin, can't wait to rewatch this knowing that Justin Thoreau does some hilarious <clears throat> dancing. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, he's always great. 
I haven't seen uh, yes. this in years. I need to rewatch this for sure. It's it it is I think one of the greatest satires that has just ever ever been shot. Uh, oh, it's terrific. Stop. I love this thing so I, much. But go on, Marcelo. I was going to say <clears throat> I'll admit that I was think maybe uh, well because I maybe saw it like a year or two after it came out, like on DVD. But I gonna I'm going to admit I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> the ending nah. I do not uh, at this point. Like, I understand it more now. You know, having not seen it though, I've read about it. I, but yeah, when I first watched it, I'm like, "What the fuck is this? Feed a cat into an ATM? What the fuck's going on?" <laughs> but no, you're like, damn right you do. I, I need to watch it with fresh eyes. I do have the Blu-ray. I got like, like <laughs> right when like I got my PS3, like almost like ten years ago now. Like they're like, "Oh, you you get like five free Blu-rays," and American uh, Psycho was one of them. So I nice. I, I haven't seen it. I think since that first time, like many, many oh, years wow. ago, but okay. I still had it on wow. Blu-ray. So yeah, I need to rewatch it. Nice. Yeah, I love this thing. Um, I remember the first time I saw it, we rented it uh, on VHS, and it was at uh, a couple friends of my uh, and me back in like uh, freshman year of high school. We would have uh, these things called fests. Basically, do our own little film festival where we would nice. like st- stay at our friend's house, and they would last twenty four hours, and we would just stay up the entire twenty four hours and just watch movies. And this was one of them. And I remember a bunch of people were like, "What the hell was that?" Meanwhile, I'm enraptured the entire time, just like, "Oh, this this means something. This this is this is something else." And I think I was like the only one. Maybe there was one other person there that liked it, and. uh Hey, that was me. That was a, that was a really <laughs> fun time, and uh, yeah, those were those were good times. Uh, curating our own little film festivals in my buddy's basement—a uh, blast and a half. <laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. Um, like, I, I I do love like planning little marathons out. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, sh- I should do that, like maybe for October, for horror season. Um, maybe like yes. uh, block out like a full day and just watch nothing but horror movies. The Phantasm box set. Yeah, do that. Maybe. Let's block it out. Let's do it at the same time. Nice. <laughs> okay, Matt. You pick a day and we'll sit down. And we'll it? broadcast it. No, I don't want... I, just gotta, <laughs> I don't want to live tweet it or anything, though. Just. Oh, just, no, no, no. Like live video. Just, just broadcast train, it. Just, shit. The Put- 10-hour periscope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> just a camera on me watching it. That's it. You know, one person will will, will watch this whole thing in entirety. And yeah, it'll be fun. You can play them all over on top of each other. <laughs> just go that much faster. That's all the rage these days, if you haven't heard. So, Andrew, thank you for coming on this episode. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, thanks so much, man. So one year later. Oh, one yeah. year later. Yeah. Come back next year. Uh, same same time pre horror movie season. <laughs> uh, okay, wrapping up the show. Plugs. Hey, uh, Andrew, where can the people listening find you online? Well, as you know, you can find uh, pieces I've written about movies at Talk Film Society. I won't have the Twin Peaks column anymore, but you can go back and read all those if you want. Um, and whatever else we end up doing on the site coming up I'll be involved in stuff there uh, I'm on Twitter at Andrew Isla A-N-D-R-E-W-I-H-L-A um, I've also just this week started a little side Twitter where I just put photos of signs around Tucson because Tucson has lots <laughs> of interesting signs 
and I wanted to get pictures of them. So I started a Twitter just for that. That's at Tucson Signs if you care about things like that. <laughs> Thanks. That's um, actually awesome. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am the co-host of Don't Zap the Geek, which is a Twin Peaks uh, podcast that we started to go along with the new series. It's uh, I co-host it with my wife, Jojo Seams, and our dear friend, Krista Lee. Um, it's We've you know done episodes discussing each individual part of the return. Uh, we haven't recorded our episode about the finale yet. Um, we're going to be doing that coming up here. And then we're going to have a big wrap-up listener special um, where we're going to like take questions and kind of discuss the whole thing uh, as, as a piece. So if you want to jump in on that, um, you can find Don't Zap the Geek on your podcatcher of choice or by following any of the three of us on Twitter. Um, and you can get in in time to uh, ask us some questions for the big finale. Awesome. All right, do that, folks. Uh, hey, Matt, what about you? Yes. <laughs> As usual, you can find me on the Twitters, at TheRealMattC, and you can find me on Letterboxd under the same name to see if I'm lying about what movies I've been watching. And you can find me over at TalkFilmSociety.com. I'm the editor-at-large, and I'm loving life. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I can tell, is about to pass out. I... <laughs> It's so late. It's so late. It's Apo- two in the morning. Apologies to you, Matt. I'm going to go as quickly as possible. As for me. I hate you <laughs> so much. Flames. Mars. Flames. Cello. On the side of my face. Jay Pico on Twitter. No, uh, Marcelo J. Pico on Twitter. Talkfromsociety.com. At TalkfromSOC. Podcast. We got them. Uh, <laughs> Colorado Street. Uh, we are, we're we're going to record some audio commentaries. Uh, Matt and I have a project we're working on. Check all mm-hmm. that out. Talkfromsociety.com. That's it. Andrew, once again, thank you for coming on. It's a great episode. Thank you for yes, Thank me. you, sir. And I Matt, love being here. Now it's time for Matt and I to close the show with our signature catchphrase. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Thanks for listening, folks, and keep on watching. What year is it? <laughs> Go do some bloods. <laughs> Go do some Go bloods. Go do some bloods. <laughs> Let's do some bloods. has been a Talk Film Society podcast production. Produced by Marcelo Pico and Matt Curione. Go to talkfilmsociety.com for more podcast goodness.